Our God will reign forever, and all the world will know His name. Everyone together, sing the song of the redeemed. Say, I know that my Redeemer lives, and now I stand on what He did. My Savior, my Savior lives. Jesus, you are the only way. My Savior, my Savior, the King has come from heaven. The King has come from heaven, and darkness trembles at His name. Forever is the song of the redeemed. I know that my redeemer lives, and now I stand on what he did. My Savior, my Savior lives. Every day a brand new chance to say, Jesus, you are the only way. Give Jesus a big hand to start this service. Hallelujah. We got some special guests with us. 
Kent Laura Lee Booth, Discover, there you are. Discover Joy, gonna be worshiping with us tonight. And we got somebody else special for the kids. Bruce Chadwick, would you come over here? Just kinda tell what the kids are gonna be doing this weekend. You're gonna be upstairs with the kids, and I uh, see you're dressed real sharp here and got a little rope to tie somebody up with. Okay, at least I've got hair. Yeah, a, I should never leave an opening like that. Remember what I said about cutting that mic off back there if we need to. Oh my goodness. Are you glad to be here, ladies and gentlemen? Yeah. Thank you so much. Indeed, he lives, brother. He does indeed. You know what? Without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you have nothing. We can talk about the cross all day long, but without that victory on that third morning, we have nothing. And in him, indeed, he lives. You guys have a seat for a moment. I want to show you something very crazy. The little boy watched with great anticipation. And he couldn't believe his eyes. And as he sat in the audience and he watched that man, that illusionist perform, he couldn't believe what he saw. And one thing that man did was to take a piece of rope, kind of like this, and he tied that rope into a knot. And that, of course, is no big deal because, well, everybody knows how to tie knots. But you see, that's not all. Then the man on the stage reached up in the air and he grabbed a pair of invisible scissors. And somehow he cut that rope in two. But not just that, for then the man on the stage took a hold of the knot he had just tied, and he began to pull that knot down to the other end of the rope. But not just that. For then the man on the stage reached up and he grabbed a hold of that knot that he had just tied, and when he untied that rope, that knot magically melted back together again. Well, the little boy decided he too was going to be an illusionist, a sleight of hand man, you know, and he went home and got himself a piece of rope, his sister's jump rope. Well, that's another story. <clears throat> he was about to go to town with the mom's really good sewing scissors, and she caught him, and that was the end of that. He did not cut the rope, but then something crazy happened. When he reached up there to untie that rope, somehow he managed to uh, pull the ends off of the rope, and who ever heard of a piece of rope without any ends? <laughs> Well, one of these days, I'm going to learn the trick. You take a piece of rope, you cut it, and put it back together, and when I do, I'll be sure and show you. No, please, please, please don't stop. It is my joy and an honor to be with you guys here tonight, and I'm going to be up with your children's in the, with children in the kids' zone area tonight in the morning for the two services and tomorrow night for the pizza party. The goal of what I do as an evangelist is to share the gospel of illusions, use, uh, excuse me, share the gospel using illusions, telling people the joy and honor it is to know Jesus Christ. I want to ask you to pray for our kids as we're upstairs. You know, a lot of you here tonight became Christians when you were very, very young, if not a child. It's very powerful. The gospel is strong, and it's, friends, wonderful things can happen this weekend. And this rope, hey, I'll tell you what, for you, maybe you're at the end of your rope. Maybe you feel like life is going in circles. I want you to know, my friends, tonight, I stand here to confess that Jesus Christ is God's son. He loves you, and in him, there is life. God bless you. Hallelujah. Yes, we're getting ready to go back into worship. Let's really just press into God, because I tell you, his presence is here right now, because he knows what's coming at the end of this service. 
Scott Camp's here and he'll deliver the message. Uh, just, and people are going to come to Christ. But right now, you could come here and you feel like you don't even know you stay through the rest of this service. You might be at the end of your rope. Or you just have this big thing going on. But if you'll worship God, just forget about everything. His presence will show up. And you know what happens when his presence shows up? The mountains will melt like wax. All those worries and all those fears will go away. So let's press in right now. Let's just say a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come into your presence. We don't take that lightly. We come in not based on what we've done, but what you did on the cross, Jesus. Through the blood of Jesus, we enter into your presence tonight. And I thank you. You know every need of every person in this room. In Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't we all stand to our feet real quick tonight, amen? Why don't you turn around and shake hands with somebody? Maybe you don't know somebody. Tell them you're glad that they're in the house of the Lord tonight, amen? What a great crowd on a Saturday night. One, two, three. Uh. Come on. Everybody get your hands together in the house of the Lord. We're going to sing a good song. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Spirit. Come on. Lord, we come. We gather together to lift up your name. To call on our Savior, to fall on your grace. Hear the joyful sounds of our offering. As your saints bow down, as your people sing. We will rise with you, lifted on your wings.
the shelf with all their other gods but once you start talking about Jesus isn't that right once you start talking about Jesus then those religious people get all offended and all of a sudden those demons start trembling because that's the name of Jesus that's what we serve amen hallelujah and tonight we're gonna see what that name of Jesus will do and if you're in this place tonight then God knows exactly where you are hallelujah Thank you, Father. Lost are saved, find their way at the sound of your great name. All condemned, feel no shame at the sound of your
your hands as high as you can right now to the Lord. Your great name, oh Jesus. Every hand lifted as high as you can. Your great name, oh Jesus. Your great name, your great name. Redeemer, healer, Savior, Lord. Oh, yes, you are. Oh, yes, you are. Jesus, we welcome you into this place tonight. We thank you, Lord, for visiting us tonight. Let your spirit rule and reign in this place in Jesus' name. And by his stripes, we are healed by your nail. Hands we're free by your blood, we're washed clean. Now we have the victory. The power of sin is broken, Jesus overcame. your hands all across this place and sing hallelujah. Hallelujah. You have won the victory. Hallelujah. You have won it all for me. Sin is broken. The power of sin is broken. 
it as high as you can. Every hand lifted and sing a hallelujah. Come on. Hallelujah. Come on, church. Come on, church. Sing it. Sing it. Hallelujah. Let's say that name that's above all names, that name that the devil is going to flee on. One, two, three. Jesus! Come on, we can do better than that. Come on, give him a hand clap. Has he saved anybody? Has he healed anybody? Amen. Glory to God. 
Well, turn around. Share some love. Share some life. Tell some people hi. Find somebody you haven't met. glad you're with us today. In the chair back in front of you, we have a lot of information about our church. Our inside look lets you know everything about who we are and what we believe in. Our ministry guide gives you plenty of opportunities to get connected through classes, small groups, and outreaches. If you're a first-time guest, fill out the white card in the seat back in front of you, drop it in the offering, or you can bring it across the hall to the Connect Room where you'll receive a free gift bag. Don't forget about our Saturday night meal and snacks between services on Sunday mornings in the Connect Cafe. Our coffee bar is always open. We're so glad that you're here and we hope that you know that there's always a place for you at Church on the Rock. Your fingerprint. No one else in the world has it. It's 100% you. God made you unique for a reason. And here at Church on the Rock, we want to help you be the best you. Our ministry guide is full of over 70 different classes, life groups, and outreaches that range from Bible studies to hot rods to crochet. Our groups give you a chance to connect with people who care about you while going deeper in your walk with God in an environment that fits you. Check out our ministry guide for a complete list of our classes, life groups, and outreaches. And go to churchontherock.org to see a video description of each life group. Church on the Rock, a place for you. Glad you're here tonight. I know you are. Ushers are coming forward. They're going to pass out some little invite cards. Take a bunch of those. You know, Easter time, people are more sensitive to the things of the Lord. They're thinking about, you know, why am I here? Uh, 
you know, what's life all about? And I'm telling you, Easter's a time. So take those invitation cards, invite, invite, invite. And these next two weeks, they're going to have a chance to hear the gospel. But you know they're going to hear it tonight. But there's people out there that need to fill up the rest of these seats. So be sure to invite them. And uh, we're going to, matter of fact, those crosses on the walls, just keep writing names of people on there. We're going to keep praying for them, praying for people to come to Jesus. Amen? Hallelujah. Well, we got a special night tonight. Scott Camp is here. Just stand up and wave at everybody, Scott. Amen? Travels all over the world. He's going to be here to share the gospel, share his testimony, share some good news. How many say good news? Amen. We're continuing to worship the Lord with our tithes and offerings. You know, in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, one of the first scriptures I'd learned is trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he'll direct your paths because he wants to lead you. But it starts with trusting Him. And when you tithe, when you return that 10% to the Lord, that's saying, I trust you, God. But the word that's really sticking with me tonight is just being thankful. Just take, let's just, when you have your offering, whatever it is, if it's a check if it, or just, uh, you know, just kind of hold your hand out a little bit and just thank God for something right now. I want you to close your hands and just thank God for something. Father, we just thank you, Lord, that you meet all of our needs according to your riches. We thank you for the air we breathe. Thank you for the opportunity to be in a great church tonight with loving people. Lord, we just thank you that you loved us while we were yet sinners, Lord. Just thank you for your goodness, Lord. Lord, whatever we give you is not enough. But Lord, we owe you everything. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. And as you give this, just be thankful this week. If you have a need, just trust him. You know, start with that 10% and just watch him meet your needs. Amen? Hallelujah. You know, we got a Haiti team going to Haiti. If you'll bring those people up here. And as they're coming, I want to pray for Pastor John. And most of you know, uh, he's been here 25 years. We give him a sabbatical, get away, rest up. And we got some exciting things coming for the weeks ahead too. But let's pray for Pastor John right now, would you? Father, we pray for Pastor John, our pastor. We thank you you brought him here. Lord, we thank you you put him in this house. But Lord, we continue to recognize this is your house. And unless you build the house, we labor in vain. And we ask you to bless him. Health in his body. Lord, he be strengthened and encouraged. Bless Linnell. We thank you you brought her through this this cancer, Lord. And she's healed and she'll continue to be healed. Bless her children, Lord. And we just bless them today in Jesus' name. Amen. Jason, want to tell me what's happening in Haiti? Yeah, we're uh, we're heading to Haiti tomorrow morning, bright and early. Uh, nine of us guys and uh, Miss Pat. She's going to keep us all in line, I guess, while we're going. Keep tabs on us. But uh, we're going to put a roof on. Uh, we're actually going to build trusses and put a roof on a church there that is uh, roofs caved in and they lost their pastor. He just passed away. So this is really uh, this is going to be a really uh, not just a roof, but it's going to be a defining moment for this church, and we're just glad to be a part of it. Just need your prayers. Pray for us. Thank you. Let's pray for him right now. Just stretch your hand out. Father, we thank you for this team that you brought together. Lord, first of all, we ask you to bless them. Bless their families, their businesses as they're gone, that you'll watch over them. But Lord, we just declare health over them in Jesus' name. We pray there'll be angelic escort to get them there, watch them as there, and bring them back safely. We declare health over them. Lord, those that serve you, you'll bless their bread and water and move sickness from their midst. They're, they're there to serve you. Bless Jay and Linda and the ministry in Haiti, but bless all they put their hands to. Lord, we thank you for the divine appointments they'll have to be able to lead people to Christ. And we bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Keep them in your prayers. Amen. God bless you. joyful sounds of our offering as your saints bow down as your people sing we will rise with you lifted on knowing and the world will see that 
church give the lord a hand of praise tonight praise the lord oh it's so good to see you don't be seated just stay standing for a minute how many of you are glad to be in the house of god tonight amen how many would rather be here than in jail amen <laughs> that's most of us oh we're so glad to be here we've been looking forward for weeks and weeks to what the lord's going to do here we have the privilege as a crusade team of traveling literally all over the world. And in the last 12 months, we've seen over 15,000 people come to know Jesus Christ and be set free. We're just praying for a great weekend this weekend tonight. And then in the morning, two services. And then tomorrow night's going to be a powerful, powerful time. I want to encourage everybody to be back tomorrow night. We're going to have a great time with the children. The teenagers are going to go crashing. Christians running around and snatching humans. Amen. They're going to bring all their friends here tomorrow night. This place will be packed out. I don't know where we're going to put everybody. But you come tomorrow night and then, of course, be praying for both services in the morning. There's a song that we sing all over the world. And it kind of expresses the reason that we've come this weekend. The song says Jesus is the answer for the world today. And I want to tell you, no matter what the problem is, Jesus is the answer. I picked up a copy of U.S. Today, USA Today newspaper a couple of days ago. And on the front page of the newspaper, there was the question, how can we fix Ferguson? And then all the pictures of people who were rioting. And I thought, man, the answer to Ferguson is the same answer for my life. 35 years ago, I was sitting in a jail cell in Fort Worth, Texas. I wasn't raised in church. I was raised in a bar. I didn't get saved in a church house. I got saved in a jail house. And what changed my life is the same thing that Ferguson needs, same thing that Texarkana needs. Won't you sing about it, Kent? Come on. Jesus is the answer. Won't take you long to learn it. Sing it. Jesus is the answer for the world today. 
above him there's no other come on y'all jesus is the way jesus is the answer for the world today above him there's no other jesus is help us sing jesus is the answer jesus is the answer for the world today above him there's no other jesus is the way jesus is the answer for the world today above him there's no Now heads are bowed and eyes are closed all over this auditorium. How many of you would say tonight, Scott, I have a friend, maybe a family member, a teammate, a co-worker, somebody that I care about. And as far as I know, I'm not trying to judge them and I'm certainly not any better than them. But as far as I know, my friend, my family member might be your husband or your wife your boyfriend, your girlfriend. How many of you would say, Scott, as far as I know, my friend doesn't really know Jesus. And I'm concerned, I'm burdened tonight about my friend and where my friend's going to spend eternity. If that's you, if you got a friend like that here, would you just lift your hand up high and hold it there for just a moment and hundreds of hands all over this building. Father, you see every hand in this place and Lord you know every heart represented by every hand and we're asking you to do tonight Father by the power of the Holy Spirit what only you can do and that is to reach down into somebody's heart tonight and do heart surgery Father we pray for a heart transplant Father you take out the old hard heart the stony heart, the cold heart. And Father, you'd give people a brand new heart and give them brand new purpose and brand new meaning tonight. Let them find the answer to all of life's questions, whose name is Jesus. And we ask you to do that tonight by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're expecting you to do it, Lord. Change people's lives. I pray that people that walked into this place, one person, would leave a different person because of the power of Jesus Christ. We ask you to do it, and we promise to give you all the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. Give the Lord a hand of praise. You may be seated. God bless you. It's wonderful to see you. Kent and Laura Lee, you've already met. And I want you to pray for both of them. They've been in bed sick for a week. It's a miracle that they're even here so just keep praying for Kent and Laura Lee, and then you've met Bruce, and then we have some other young people that travel with us, Travis and James Michael. Stand up, would you? And then my son, Josh, is here. He gets to travel with Dad every now and then. This is him right here playing the guitar. Let me tell you, all three of these guys, stand up, guys. They're all single and looking. Amen? And uh, everybody except Josh. These two guys are right here. And I'm going to tell you, Travis and James Michael have already been working with your kids, and in the last year, these two young men have won over 5,000 teenagers to Christ all over America. They both are dynamic evangelists and have powerful, powerful testimonies. 
Well, I want you to take your Bible tonight, and I'm not going to preach long tonight. I'll tell you what Elizabeth Taylor told her eighth husband, I won't keep you long. But I want you to listen tonight for the next few moments because I want to talk to you about where you're going to listen, where you're going to spend forever. Did you know you're created in the image of God? And that means that just as long as God has breath, and that's forever, because God is an eternal being, uncreated being, and God has made you in such a way that you reflect his image. And that means that all of us are going to live forever. And that's why anytime there's a movie out or a television series out that talks about eternity, some of the most popular movies last year dealt with eternity. One of the most popular movies was based on the book that Colton Burpo, his father, wrote. And many of you read the book. It sold over a million copies. It's called Heaven is for Real. And it tells the story of little eight-year-old Colton Burpo who died, and then he said he had an experience in heaven. Now, I don't know whether or not Colton Burpo's story is real. I have a feeling that it is. But I don't know whether or not it is, but I do know one thing, that there is one authority on the subject and the place that the Bible calls heaven, and his name is Jesus, and Jesus said, heaven is for real. John chapter 14, verse number one, I'm going to read out loud, and I want you to read along silently after, while I'm reading out loud. If you don't have a Bible, that's fine. Just turn to somebody sitting next to you. And look on, because I want you to see the words that are in red, the words that came from the lips of Jesus about heaven. Now, all of us have a kind of fear and fascination with death and the afterlife. It's innate. It's intuitive. There's never been a group of people discovered anywhere that did not believe in two things. They all believe in God. We all know there's a God. Deep down inside, I know there are some people who say that there is no God. Sam Harris and the late Christopher Hitchens and others, the comedian Bill Maher, are part of a revival of atheism. They're calling themselves the new atheists. And I know there's a rise among intellectuals and university students who say that there is no God. I have a friend like that. His name is Bill. And when I got out of a jail cell 35 years ago, he, he and I played football together, and I went back. The first person I tried to witness to was my friend Bill, and Bill said, Scott, you don't understand. I'm an atheist, and my dad's a philosophy professor, and our whole family are atheists, and for 35 years, I've been telling Bill about Jesus, and now he says, well, I'm not an atheist anymore. He says, now I'm an agnostic. I just don't know, and he always gets upset with me when we talk about Jesus, and uh, not long ago, he said, well, you Christians, he was angry at all the Christians, he said, you Christians, you have all the good stuff in our culture. He said, you have all the holidays. You have Thanksgiving, where you give thanks to God, and he said, you have Christmas, where you say that God came in the person of Christ, and he said, you have Easter, where you say God raised Jesus up from the dead. He said, us atheists don't have any holidays at all, and I said, oh, yes, you do. April 1st, because the Bible says only a fool would say in his heart there's no God. I mean, we all know intuitively, and we all know that there's more to this life than this life. 
The philosophers and sociologists talk about the exocentricity of man, and it means that we know there's something beyond ourselves. We're all open to that which is more than physical. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 3.11 that God has put eternity in our hearts, and we all know we're going to live forever. The ancients buried their dead with bowls of food and weapons of war. They were in anticipation of a conscious afterlife. Some of the oldest pieces of literature known to human existence deal with the issue of death and the afterlife. Books like the Hindu Veda and the Egyptian Book of the Dead, the Tibetan Book of the Dead, and even in the Bible. The oldest book in the Bible is Job. Job 14, 12, Job asks a question, if I die, am I going to live again? And Jesus knows the answer to this question because the Bible says that Jesus, listen, came from heaven. The Bible says God so loved the world that he gave his son. He sent his son from heaven. So Jesus came down from heaven. The Bible says after he died on the cross and was buried and rose from the dead, that he ascended into heaven. The Bible says he's in heaven right now preparing a place for us. One day he's going to come from heaven to take us to heaven, and Jesus is the world's only authority on the subject and the place the Bible calls heaven, and he talks about heaven in John chapter 14. So look at it in John chapter 14, verse 1, and for heaven's sake, please, Listen to the words of Jesus, who said, let not your heart be troubled. Now look this way for a moment. Some of you tonight have a troubled heart. You've just found out that you have cancer. The doctors told you there's not a lot of, if God doesn't do a miracle, there's not a lot we can do for you. And your heart is troubled. Some of you have family members that have broken your heart, and tonight you've come here, listen, and you have a very, very, heavy heart and a hurting heart. Some of you are having financial difficulties. The rent's going to be due in a couple of weeks, and you have no idea how you're going to pay your way, and your heart is troubled tonight. And most of all, some of you really don't know where you are in terms of your relationship with God. But Jesus said you don't have to have a troubled heart. He said if you believe in God, how many of you believe in God? We all believe in God. He said if you believe in God, Believe also in me. Now, it's one thing to believe in God, but it's another thing to believe in Jesus and to know who Christ is. As I travel all over the world, I've found out it's not that people don't believe in Jesus. Most people believe they have some kind of a concept of Jesus. I was on an airplane not long ago, and I'm always always on an airplane traveling somewhere to tell people about Jesus, and I sat down next to a very well-dressed lady. She looked very sophisticated. She was very articulate and no doubt very wealthy and successful in business, and, and we began to talk, and then the plane took off, and after we were in the air about five minutes, the plane hit a pocket of turbulence and just began to rock back and forth. And uh, I've found that that's always a good time to talk to people about the Lord. And so I looked over at her, and her eyes were big, and I asked her a question. I said, if the plane goes down, I know I'm ready. And I started telling her about Christ. And then after the plane kind of smoothed out, she put up her hand rather patronizingly, and here's what she said. She said, oh, I believe in Jesus. And then she said, but I also believe in Buddha. 
And she said, I believe in Krishna, and I believe in Muhammad. And she said, I believe in all the religions of the world and all the great philosophers and all the religious teachers. And she said, you know, I believe that really they're all saying the same thing and that there are many ways to God. And I said, you know, there's a Greek word for that, baloney, amen? Because Jesus did not claim to be just a teacher, although he's the greatest teacher the world's ever known. And Jesus didn't just claim to be a prophet, although he is the embodiment of the word of God. Jesus did not claim just to be a miracle worker or to be a good example. Listen, Jesus claimed to be God come in the flesh. He said, if you believe in God, believe also in me. And what he was saying is, I am God. That's who Jesus is. Jesus is no one less than God come in the flesh. He stepped down the starry steps of eternity into time and wrapped up his, flesh, his deity in flesh. And the creating one became the cradled one. The infant was at the same time the infinite God. Jesus is God come in the flesh. And do you know Jesus is the answer for every problem that the world has today? And no matter who you are, Jesus is what you're looking for. If you're an astronomer, he is the bright and morning star. If you're a baker, he's the bread come down from heaven. If you're a carpenter, he's the door. If you're a doctor, he's the great physician. If you're an electrician, he's the light of the world. If you're a farmer, he's the Lord of the harvest. If you're a geologist, he is the rock of ages. If you're a horticulturist, he's the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valley. If you're a jeweler, he's the pearl of great price. If you're a lawyer, he's our advocate with the Father. If you're a king, he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. If you're a mortician, he is the resurrection and the life. If you're an optometrist, he made the blind man see. If you're a philosopher, he's the truth. If you're a traveler, he's the way. He's Jesus. He's Jesus. He's Jesus. He's what you need. And he says, you don't have to have a troubled heart. Because if you believe in God, believe also in me. Believe that I'm the one who came from heaven and that I am God come in the flesh and he came for one reason. You know, Jesus didn't just come to teach or to preach or to work miracles. Jesus came primarily, listen to this, he came to die. And every step he ever took down dusty Palestinian trails took him one step closer to his ultimate destiny and his ultimate appointment with death, and that's why he was born. You see, Jesus was born to die. And that's why there's something so powerful about the cross. I've been all over the world. I've been in the great Gothic cathedrals of Europe, and I've been in the small little villages in Africa, and I've been in the Caribbean and South America, and all, literally all over the world. And everywhere I've been, there's the symbol of the cross. And there's something powerful about the cross. You know what happened at the cross. You might know what a cross looked like, and some of you might even have a cross tattooed on your arm. But do you understand what really happened at the cross when they took Jesus and they stripped the clothing off his back? And then they tied him to a vertical pole, and they took what was called in those days a cat of nine tails. And it consisted of a heavy club with nine long strands of leather. And at the end of each piece of leather, there was a piece of rock or a piece of metal or a piece of bone or a piece of glass. 
And then that soldier, like an artist painting strokes on a canvas, so skilled in the art of scourging, took the cat of nine tails or the flagellum, the scourge, and began to paint bloody stripes and strokes on the body of Jesus. And as those pieces of rock and metal and bone and glass whistle through the air that Jesus spoke into existence, they stuck in his body. And when the soldier whisked away the whip, literally hunks of flesh would fly from the body of Jesus, five and ten and 20 and 30 and 40 times 9 and more until bones were exposed and his muscles were heaving and nerve endings must have felt made Jesus felt like his whole body was on fire as his skin fell from his back like red ribbons and most men never survived the Roman scourge their intestines fell out in front of their own eyes the last thing they saw before they died but Jesus survived the scourge and they cut the rope that held his hands and his body slumped into the ground that he had spoken into existence and sweat and blood and dirt and spit began to mingle in the open wounds of Jesus. And then somebody said, this guy says he's a king. If he's a king, he needs a crown. Go get him a crown. And they ran into the Judean hillside and they plucked the long thorns that still grow there and took their cruel hands of hatred and plucked a crown of thorns and formed and fashioned it and put it on his sinless brow. And Jesus bore on his sinless brow the curse of all humanity. They got a purple soldier's garment and draped it around his bloody beaten shoulders and they got a stick and put it on his hand and the Bible says they began to bow before him in mock homage saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and then they began to torture him. They ripped his beard out by the roots. They took their big fist and pounded away at him over and over until his eyes were swollen and puffy and his lips bruised and broken and his face disfigured, his nose plastered across his face and then they cleared their throat and they spit in his face and took the stick and beat him in the head until it drove the thorns deeper and deeper into his brow and he was blinded by his own blood and then they slapped him and they spit on him and they hit him and they mocked him. Then somebody said, go get the cross. And they got that 90 to 110-pound horizontal beam of the cross. It wasn't a polished piece of jewelry like you got around your neck tonight. It was an old rugged cross, and they put it on his shoulders. And you can imagine the splinters began to work their way into the open wounds of Jesus as the soldier said, march 650 yards up the Via Della Rosa. And one step at a time, God, who had become flesh, in order to die for our sins, took one step at a time until because of the loss of blood, his body went into shock and he could step no more and he stumbled beneath the load of the cross and they got a man from Africa. History will always record that it was a black man from Africa, Simon of Cyrene, who they got to come and bear the load of the cross and help Jesus struggle with the cross to the top of that skull-shaped mountain called Golgotha. And when they got Jesus to the top of that mountain, they stretched his arms out taut and they took nine-inch nails and positioned them in his wrist so as not to break a bone. And they got a heavy mallet and they brought it down hard on the head of those spikes until they drove those nails through his right hand, the flesh, the muscle, the tissue, the sinew, the nerve of his left hand. And they crossed his feet and drove a nail through his feet and they raised the cross up high in the air and dropped it in a huge hole in the ground. And when the bottom of that cross hit the bottom of that hole, all his bones came out of joint. And there's Jesus. Listen to me. There's Jesus, God who became flesh. Why would God do that? Let me tell you why. Because only a man could die in the place of other men. 
Did you know the blood of bulls and goats could never take away one sin? Only a man could die in the place of another man. And that's why Jesus was on the cross. You see, listen to me. He was dying not for anything that he had ever done wrong. He was dying because of all the things we've done wrong. Because the Bible says we've all sinned. We've all broken God's law. God has ten commandments. They're a reflection of the kind of God he is. God is a holy God and a just God. Let me tell you something, friend. God is not some big overstuffed teddy bear in the sky with a lollipop in one hand and an ice cream cone in the other who pats everybody on the head and just says, it doesn't matter what you've done. Everybody's going to go to heaven one day. Nothing could be further than the truth. God is a holy God. He's a righteous God. And the Ten Commandments reflect his holy, righteous nature. You know, the truth is we've all broken all of God's commandments. All of us have broken all of God's commandments. For example, the Bible says that we should not steal. How many of you have ever broken that one? Let me see your hand. You've broken that. Hide your purse. There's thieves all around you. I just want to warn you. All of us have stolen. We're all thieves. Bible says we should not lie. How many of you have ever broken that commandment? Let me see. You're lying right now, dude. Get your hand up. I mean, all of us, we've all lied. We've all stolen. You say, but Scott, I've never murdered anybody. Wait just a minute. You know what Jesus said? He said, if you've ever had hatred in your heart towards someone because they mocked you because of your race or maybe your social status or maybe they abused you or they ripped you off or ran off with your husband or your wife and you thought, man, if I could get my hands on that person, I'd kill them. Jesus saw that. Jesus sees you in the dark. You know, you can fool your mom, your dad, your preacher, your husband, your wife, but God knows you. He knows everything about you, every thought that's ever walked through the corridors of your mind. Jesus knows all about you, and he knows all about me, and he knows that we've all committed adultery in our heart. We've all committed murder in our heart. Listen, we've all broke the first commandment. And the first commandment says that we should have no other gods except the true and living God, but we've all broken that commandment. Because we've all worshipped ourselves. Some of you got up tonight, looked in the mirror, and smiled and sang your favorite song, How Great Thou Art. Amen. I mean, you just love you. And our lives are filled with American idols. And so we're all sinners. Listen to me. And because God is a holy God and God is just, our sin deserves punishment. And that's what hell is. Let me tell you something. Heaven is for real, but hell's for real. And did you know the same Jesus that talked about heaven and said, my father's house are many mansions and I'm going to go and prepare a place for you? And he said, heaven is a real place. Heaven is not a state of mind or an ethereal, nebulous nothing. Heaven is a real place. The Bible uses these powerful pictures, streets of gold and walls of jasper and gates made out of pearl and a crystal clear river and multicolor foundational stones and all of those things. Picture what a beautiful place heaven's going to be. But let me tell you something. Jesus also talked about hell. Matter of fact, he talked three times as much about hell as he did about heaven. And he said he compared it to a burning, stinking garbage dump outside of the city of Jerusalem, a place where they would take their garbage, their trash, the unclaimed bodies 
of those who had died in refuse and because they were always dumping garbage into the garbage dump, the fire never went out. The smoke was always ascending and the worms never seemed to die. And Jesus said that's what it's going to be like for everybody who hardens their heart and thumbs their nose and bows their back in my face and says, I don't need God. Do you know that describes some of you in this room tonight? Listen to me, I love you. But I'm here to tell you tonight, some of you are one heartbeat away from hell because you're going to die one day. You're going to die. 86 people die every minute. 5,000 people die every hour. 122,000 people die every day. Every time I snap my fingers, somebody just went out into eternity. And the most important thing about you is not the way you look most important thing about you is not what kind of car you have out in the parking lot tonight or what kind of house you're going to go home to tonight or how much money you have in your retirement account. That doesn't matter. That's not what's going to last forever. You know what's going to last forever, listen to me, is the real you. The Bible calls it the soul. The soul is the real you. And Jesus said, what would it profit a man if he could gain the whole world but he lost his own soul? It's not going to matter how rich you are. I've never seen a U-Haul behind a hearse, amen? You ain't going to take nothing with you when you go. One day your heart's going to stop beating. Listen to me. I'm almost finished. You're going to drop your chin on a pulseless chest. Close your eyes for the last time this side of eternity, and we're going to put your body in a box and chisel your name across the face of a tombstone and drop cold clods on you and go back to the church and the fellowship hall and eat fried chicken and potato salad and talk about what a great guy you were. But if you don't know Jesus, there's no hope for you. There's no hope for you. What if you died right now? You say, Scott, that gives me a troubled heart. Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled. Because if you believe in God, believe also in me. Then he said, in my Father's house, there are many mansions. He said, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. Listen, heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. Are you prepared? Are you ready to meet God? If you die tonight, you say, Scott, I'm about 99% saved. Listen, if you're 99% saved, you're 100% lost. Eternity's too long to be wrong. You say, well, I'm a member of this church. That's wonderful, but I could spit in hell right now and hit a Baptist right on the head or a Methodist or a Pentecostal or a Catholic. I could throw a pitchfork in hell and hit a Lutheran. Hell is going to be full of people whose names were written on a church roll, but were not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. It's not the church of Christ that saves you. It's the Christ of the church that saves you. And if you're going to go to heaven, you got to come to Jesus man. And that's why Jesus said, I'm the way. He said, I'm the way. He didn't say I'm one way or I'm one way among many or a way. He said, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father. No one comes to the Father's house except through me. Jesus is the way. Without him, there's no going. Jesus is the truth. Without him, there's no knowing. Jesus is the life. Without him, there's no living. And if you're going to go to heaven when you die, you're going to have to humble yourself tonight. And I think that's the hardest thing for all, especially men in this place. I was at the First Baptist Church in Dalhart, Texas not long ago. In four days, 174 people gave their heart to Jesus. On the last night of the crusade, you know who came forward? The chairman of the deacon's wife. You know what she said? She said, 30 years ago, my husband and I joined this church, and they gave me a card and asked me to sign it and put my name on it, and then there was a box that said, are you a Christian? And she said, I was too embarrassed 
to admit that I didn't really know Jesus. And she said, so I checked the box, yes. And she said, for the last 30 years, I've put my head on my pillow every night knowing that if I didn't wake up, I'd wake up in hell. And she said, I don't want to play games anymore. She said, she said, my husband became the chairman of the deacons. We've been on every major committee. Did you know you can die and go to hell with a communion wafer in your mouth? I'm talking to church members right now. And Jesus is all around you, but he's not really in you. You've never really been born again. You're a good person and a moral person. And it's not that you don't believe in God. It's that if you died right now, you'd miss heaven and go to hell by 18 inches, 18 inches from right here to right here. Because you know all about Jesus, but you don't really know Jesus. And they took him down off the cross, and they put him in a huge hole in the ground. And on the cross, the one who knew no sin became sin for us. Jesus was dying to pay for our sin. Only a man could die in the place of another man. And only a man who was at the same time God could die for the sins of all men who have ever lived throughout time. And after he dismissed his spirit back to God, they took his body down off the cross and they put him in a huge hole in the ground and they rolled a stone over the mouth of the tomb and the religious leaders of Israel who had conspired with the Roman government to put this, this smart aleck preacher, this would-be Messiah, this itinerant carpenter's son from Nazareth, they said, what's his name? Oh yeah, Jesus, the world has heard the last of him. And that night, the devil and the demons of hell got together in the belly of hell and they said, we've killed the son of God and now humanity is ours and they'll never be free. But three days later, early in the morning, Mary, a former prostitute, came to anoint and embalm his body with one last act of devotion. And when she got to the tomb, she found the stone had been rolled away and the tomb was empty. And Jesus is not a man who lived and then died. He's a man who died and now he lives. Listen, Jesus, come on somebody, give God praise. Jesus is alive. He's He's alive. Whoa, he's alive. And 35 years ago, sitting in a jail cell in Fort Worth, Texas, addicted to drugs and alcohol, a thug, a criminal. My own father said to me, in five years, you'll either be dead or you'll be in the penitentiary. And he was exactly right. 35 years ago in Tarrant County Jail Cell in Fort Worth, Texas, I can't explain it to this day. Let me tell you something. Christianity is not irrational, but it is supra-rational. It's more than you can figure out with your little mind. If you got to have God all figured out before you'll come to Jesus, then you'll die and split hell wide open because you can't figure God out. you got to come by faith. You have to come like a little child and humble yourself. 35 years ago in a jail cell in Fort Worth, I can't explain it to this day, but somehow the Spirit of God, like wind, Jesus said, being born again is like the wind. He said, you don't know where the wind comes from or where it's going, but you feel its power and you see the results of the wind. And sitting in that jail cell, I repented of my sin. Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I changed my mind about the way I'd been living my life, and that's what I'm going to ask you to do tonight. I'm going to ask you to say, God, I'm sorry for my sin, and I know I'm a sinner, and I know if I died right now, God, I'd go straight to hell, but I don't want to go to hell, and I don't want to live like hell anymore. I did a U-turn that day, 
And I put my trust in Jesus who loved me and died for me and rose from the dead. And like air coming into my lungs, Christ came to live in my life. I walked into a jail cell one person, and I walked out of a jail cell a brand new person. Listen, because of the power of Jesus Christ and what happened in my life can happen in your life tonight. I'd like every person in this room very reverently and very quietly to bow your head and close your eyes for the next few moments. I'm going to ask that no one move around. I'm going to ask you not to touch anybody. Don't talk to anybody. Don't do anything to distract anyone. As a matter of fact, for the next few moments, I'm going to ask you to pretend that there's nobody in this room except for you and God. And while you're hearing my voice... I believe it's not my voice that's important. I believe many of you are hearing another voice. And it's a voice that's more powerful than my voice. It's the voice of the Holy Spirit saying to you, Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. Jesus rose from the dead. And Jesus is the answer. And I'm wondering how many people in this room could say to me with a clear conscience, Scott, I don't hope I'm saved. I don't think I'm saved. It's not maybe I'm saved. Scott, I remember the day and the place and the time when I repented of my sin and I put my trust in Jesus who died for me and rose from the dead. I remember when Christ came into my life, Scott, and I love Jesus with all my heart. Everybody that knows me knows I love him, and I'm more in love with Jesus than I've ever been before. I'm as sure for heaven as if I'd already been there a million years. There's no doubt about it, not because I'm good, but because of what? God did for me when Jesus hung on the cross took my sin as if they were his own and he rose from the dead and I'm saved to the bone and I know it if that's your testimony I know I'm saved if you can say that with a clear conscience that's your testimony but I want you to lift your hand up high in the air and hold it there for just a moment. I think it'd be a wonderful testimony tonight to say, I know, I know, I know that I'm saved. Matter of fact, if that's you, lift both hands up in the air and just say out loud, thank you, Jesus. Come on, just say it out loud. Just say, thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord, for the way you changed my life. Thank you that I have hope that my heart is not troubled anymore, that I have peace, God, because of what Christ did. And then I want you just to begin to pray, would you? Pray because there are people all around you, in front of you, behind you, next to you. They couldn't lift their hand. It's not that you're any better than they are. Nobody in this room is any better than anybody else. We don't go to heaven because of the good things we've done. We go to heaven because of the good thing God did when he sent Jesus to die on the cross, but there are people all around you who have never said yes to Christ. They couldn't lift their hand. They don't have the peace that you have or the assurance that you have. They don't know the person that you know. They don't know Jesus. And I'm going to ask you to begin to pray for them right now. Might be your husband or your wife or might be your boyfriend, a best friend, somebody you brought tonight. Might be a coworker, a friend, a neighbor. You know they don't know the Lord, and they know they don't know the Lord, and most of all, the Lord knows they don't know him. Would you pray for them right now? The, the best thing you could ever do for a friend is to pray for them. I'm here right now because three teenage girls got a burden for my soul and began to pray for me. They wept over me. They got a hold of God. They told me about Jesus. So just begin to pray, and then I want to speak to everyone in this room who could not lift their hand 
to say, I know that I know that I know the Lord. Listen to me. If that's you, please hear me tonight. First of all, thank you for being honest because that's the way you come to God. you got to be honest, and you have to humble yourself. You know, Jesus never told adults or children to become adult-like. He told adults to become childlike. And he said, if you don't come humbly like a little child, you'll never see the kingdom of heaven. So you have to swallow your pride, step on your dignity, take off your mask, quit trying to be somebody that you're not. God knows who you really are, and God loves you. You say, Scott, I'm a terrible sinner. That's okay. He's a wonderful Savior. He loves you. You say, Scott, do I have to clean up my life first? No. Just come just like you are. Just come like you are, and I want to give you an opportunity to do tonight what I did sitting in a jail cell 35 years ago. I want to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus because Jesus said, if you'll come to me, I won't turn you away. The Bible says whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved from hell, saved to heaven, given a brand new life on the earth. And so in a moment, I want to voice a prayer for everybody way back there in the back and in the middle and in the front, whether you're a teenager, whether you're a senior or grandparent or mom or dad or a college student, I want to give you an opportunity tonight to do what I've seen over 100,000 people do in the last 35 years, and that is say yes to Jesus. And so I'm going to voice a prayer because the Bible says if we'll just call on his name that he'll hear us. The Bible says with our heart we believe and with our mouth we confess that God raised Jesus from the dead. And so I want to give you an opportunity to pray tonight to say yes to Jesus and to tell him from your heart the best you know how, Jesus, I want you in my heart. I want you to be my Savior. I want to follow you and love you and live for you. Matter of fact, we're all going to pray this prayer with you because I believe the sound of your voice will help someone sitting next to you to do what they really want to do because I can feel the presence of God in this place is so obvious God is dealing with many people right now, and I want to give you a chance just to say yes to Jesus, to say, I do, because when he was on the cross with his arms stretched out, nails through his hands and feet, beaten beyond recognition, looked like a piece of raw meat, you know what he was saying? He was saying, I do, I do, I do love you, I do, I do know you, I do receive you, I do die for you, and all he's waiting for you to say to him back is, yes, I do too, Jesus. I do give you my life. And so I want us to pray together tonight, all of us out loud from our heart, but many of you for the very first time, it's all kind of clicked tonight. And tonight is your night to say yes to Christ. So let's pray together right now. You ready? All over the building, everybody out loud from our heart, just say, oh God, I know you're real and that you're the creator of everything and that you made me and that even though I'm a sinner, that you love me. And I don't understand that. How you could know me and still love me. But you say you do. And I believe you do. And I thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Come on, say his name. Jesus. To die on the cross. To pay for my sin. And I believe that you raised him from the dead and that he's alive tonight. And Jesus, I believe you're the only way to heaven and the only way that I can live on this earth and have peace and purpose 
and meaning and joy and I need you so badly and so Jesus tonight the best I know how I turn from my sin and I trust you as my Savior I ask you to come into my heart to save me to forgive me to make me a brand new person and from this day on I want to follow you and live for you the rest of my life until I die or until you come again and by your grace I will never turn back and I really mean it come into my heart Lord Jesus in Jesus name heads are bowed eyes are closed listen to me how many of you prayed that simple prayer with me tonight from the bottom of your heart and you meant business and tonight you're saying yes I give my heart to Jesus if that's you if you prayed with me just now and you meant business I want you to look up at me right now and let your eyes meet mine praise God praise God all over this room if that's you in the back wave at me so I can know that you yeah praise God just look this way all over this room is that you and you and you and you and you and you all over this room now now listen to me I want to get to be the first person to tell you welcome to the family of God and I want to tell you that tonight you're making the greatest decision that you could ever make. The greatest decision anybody could ever make is to say yes to Jesus Christ. And I'm going to ask you to do tonight what I see hundreds and thousands of people do every, every year of my life all over the world. I'm going to ask you tonight, listen, I'm going to ask you not to be ashamed of Jesus. You say, well, what do you mean, Scott? Well, when Jesus died on the cross, he was not ashamed of you. He didn't die in the dark. He died in front of hundreds and maybe thousands of people who were spitting on him and laughing at him and mocking him, and he could have come down. Nails did not keep Jesus on the cross because he was God, and he could have come down and destroyed the whole world. Nails didn't keep him on the cross. His love for you kept him on the cross, and he wasn't ashamed of you. And I'm going to ask you not to be ashamed of him because Jesus said, if you'll confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father who's in heaven. And I want to tell you, the only thing that's going to matter one day, only thing that's going to matter is were you, were you open and out front and not ashamed of Jesus? So don't you be a coward. If you prayed with me tonight to say yes to Christ, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to get up from way back there and right here and right here and right here and right here and right here. Just say excuse me to the people around you. They won't mind. And I'm going to ask you in a moment to get up out of your seat. And I'm going to ask you to come and just stand right here facing me because I want to shake your hand and hug your neck. And we have all of our altar workers and counselors are going to come right here and stand right here with you. We want to welcome you to the family of God. We want to tell you, tonight is the greatest night in your life. So if you're looking up at me right now, or you know you need to be, I want you to get up out of your seat right now and come take a stand. Just come on right now. Just come on from all over this place. Just come. Just come. Just come. Just come. Let's all stand together. Let's all stand together and welcome people to Jesus. Just stand right here. Praise God. Praise God. Come stand right here. Come stand right here, everybody. Come on. Woo! Praise God. Come on. Come. Come on. Sing it with Ken. Brand new age.
to give the Lord a shout of praise tonight for all these folks who've come. Amen. I love you. Woo! Praise God. Praise God. I'm going to ask for the next few moments that nobody leave this room, all right? Ushers, help me out. Nobody needs to leave. Matter of fact, if you get in your car, I'm going to pray God will blow your transmission up. Amen on the way home. I guarantee you, God hears my prayer, so I wouldn't go if I was you. I want to pray with you guys. And we have some people who want to take a few moments and give you some information and get some information from you. We're going to do that in just a moment. So I want you just to hang tight for just a moment. And then I want to ask us to do something for a moment. Everybody look right this way. I've been doing this a long time. And especially in the South. You know, everybody in Texarkana has been saved at least 10 times. You know that, right? They all live like hell. And I want to tell you something, man. If you live like hell, that's where you better need to be prepared to go when you die. Because when you get saved... You get saved from something and to something. Doesn't mean you're perfect, but it means your life is different and you're changed. God doesn't just get you to heaven. He puts heaven in you. And you start living a new life. And I believe there are people out there, listen to me, just like that lady in Dalhart, Texas. You ought to be right down here. And some of you men in this place, you can't wait till I shut up and sit down so you can go home and drink a beer and talk about how stupid all those church people are. Let me tell you something, hot shot. One day you're going to die. You roll your shirt sleeves up and try to box with God. Your arms are too short, man. You need to come to Jesus. And in just a moment, here's what I'm going to ask us to do. I don't want anybody to go anywhere, and I want you all to stay tight right here. But I'm going to ask everybody out there, tonight's friend night. Some of you brought a friend. They need God. Some of you in a minute need to turn to them with tears rolling down your cheeks like Angela did when she shared with me and like Kelly did when she shared with me. I'll never forget it. They were weeping and they said, Scott, you need Jesus. In a moment, I'm going to ask everybody in this room, you guys stay here, but I'm going to ask everybody out there to turn to four or five or six people around you, look at them right in the eyeball and ask them this question. Listen, if you died tonight, are you sure you'd go to heaven? Listen. If they say no, then why don't you just put your arm around their shoulder, take them by the hand, and say, man, I'll go with you. I don't want you to go. I don't want you to go to hell, man. I'll go with you. Some of you need to bring your husband, your best friend, your coworker, maybe a teammate. They don't know the Lord. So in a moment, I'm going to ask everybody in the room to turn to four or five, six people around you, look at them right in the eye, and ask them, somebody a question. Are you sure you know Jesus? If you died, do you know for sure you'd go to heaven? And if they say no, you just take them by the hand and say, man, I'll go with you. And you bring them to Jesus. You guys stay right here. I want everybody in the room to do that right now, right now, right now, right now. Turn to four or five people and ask them, are you sure that you know Jesus? And if they say no, you bring them. Come on. Sing it, buddy. Jesus Messiah. Praise God. Yeah, just like that. Just come on. Woo! Praise God. Come on. Come on, come. 
for you. I want us to come as close as we can right here and just form a huddle right down here. Come on. Come on right down here. If you still need to come, there's time for you. Come on. Just come on. Stand right here. Amen. 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 Now I want to talk to you for just a moment. All right. I want to say welcome to the family of God. And tonight is the beginning of a brand new life for you. Now, let me tell you what tonight's not. It's not fire insurance from hell and a free ticket to heaven. It's not like, okay, goodbye, God. I got that covered now. I'll see you in heaven one day. No, this is the beginning of a brand new life. And unless you die tonight or Jesus come back tonight, and he might, but if that doesn't happen, you got a long life to live for Christ. Make it count for him. My mom and dad, my mom, stepmom, and my real mom, when I got saved, man, they didn't know what to think. None of them knew Jesus. My mom was an alcoholic. I was raised in a bar. One thing, my daddy, who later came to know Christ, I had coffee with him this morning. He loves Jesus with all of his heart now. But when I got saved, he said, son, I don't know much about being a Christian, but I know this, if you're going to be one, be a good one. Man, I've tried to live for Christ. I've had one passion in my life for 35 years, and it is to go tell. I got saved. I got baptized. That's what we want you to do tomorrow night. Let me tell you something. You be back here tomorrow night and bring every friend and family member that you've got. Some of them will freak out when they hear, man, I got saved. They'll just say, man, that, that is a miracle. And you bring them tomorrow night to see you get baptized. You say, well, I got baptized when I was a kid. No, listen, you might have got wet when you were a kid, all right? But you didn't get baptized because getting baptized is for people who understand what it means to be dead to their old life and alive to a brand new life. And if that's what's happened to you tonight, then you, tomorrow night you need to get baptized and bring everybody you know and let them see you get baptized at 6 o'clock tomorrow night. And then begin to read the Bible. We want to give you a Bible tonight. We want to give you some, a little booklet. We want to talk to you about growing in your Christian life because this is the beginning and Christianity is not a solo sport it's not like golf or tennis I played football you know it's more like football it's a team sport and this is your team how many of you are glad to have a bunch of new team members tonight amen this is your team so welcome to the family welcome to the team I want to pray for you and we want to take a few moments and talk to you okay I love you guys. Man, praise God. Praise God. I love you. And if you still need to come, just come. Just come. There's time for you. I'm going to tell you, man, I wouldn't take the risk of getting out on I-30 and not making it home without Jesus. Because there's only two sections in eternity, smoking and non. That's it. And, buddy, you'll be smoking. So I'm begging you, while we're praying, you just come. 
I want everybody that's come to lift your hands up to the Lord, would you? And everybody out there, just extend a hand of blessing toward these folks. As if to say, yes, we, we're for you. We believe in what God's doing in your life. And then lift your hands, and I want you to pray out loud with me. Just say, Jesus, I surrender. I'm not going to fight you anymore. I'm not going to run from you anymore. I'm sick of that. That's over. I'm giving you my life. And I want to be a good Christian. I want to really follow you. I know I can't do it by myself. I know you're going to help me. And so, Father, I love you. Jesus, I love you. Holy Spirit, I love you. Use my life to bring others to Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord praise. Amen. Now listen, counselors, all of our counselors look this way, all right? Now listen to me. We want you to take a few moments. Somebody's going to be right back there with you. I didn't ask anybody to rededicate anything tonight. So all these people have come tonight saying, man, I'm giving my life to Christ. So you help them and then encourage them. So tomorrow night's a very significant, and you don't have to wait till tomorrow night. Come back tomorrow morning and bring your family. Some of you say, I wish my family would have been here to hear this. Well, bring them in the morning and then bring them tomorrow night and welcome to the family of God. Where's our brother that we're going to follow? All right, right here. Yes, handsome, our youth pastor adult pastor. Isn't he a handsome guy? Amen. Let's follow him right now. All right. Everybody that's come, follow Pastor just Travis. follow him. You're going back to Connect Cafe. I'll just give you a little booklet. won't take long at all. We are going to have a meal in there, so just give him a minute, and then you can go ahead and do the meal in a minute, too. Okay. Come on, let's give him a hand clap. We're proud of you guys. Amen. Hallelujah.